morning, everybody. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you guys once again here at Verwood. Um, my name's Michael. I'm currently studying at Moreland's Bible College on their Applied Theology course, while also working and serving as part of the team here at New Life Community Church. And I have the privilege this morning of starting off a brand new preaching series with you guys today, which is all based around the book of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians, which some of you may know very well already. Some of you may not be too familiar with it. But again, we're going to be exploring that book in the New Testament over the weeks to come. Again, I get the privilege of opening it this morning. We're going to look at the very, very start of that section of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 today. But before I jump into that, and before we come to the passage, I want to ask you a question. And that question is, how thankful are you as an individual? Or to put it another way, are you a glass half empty or a glass half full type of person? When we approach different situations or challenges in life, what perspective do we come to those with? Um, I know sometimes, even for myself, it can be very, very easy to hang on to the negative rather than looking actually what I can be thankful for, for what God has already done in my life and in the people around me too. And today we're going to look at that perspective because Paul brings that to us really clearly at the very start of this chapter, at the start of this book, that perspective of thanksgiving, that, that perspective of gratefulness for all the blessings that God has already lavished upon us and the blessing that Jesus is to us in our salvation too. And so often in life we can find ourselves quick to complain rather than being grateful for what we have, or the, even the small blessings that we have. And often the world can have that very same perspective and we can get drawn into that too. When we can look at the things we don't have, for example, prize being content with the things that we do have, the resources that we are blessed with, rather than looking at others and what they have been blessed with and what we feel that we might be lacking in. Whether that's gifting, whether that's material, and coming from that perspective of thankfulness, first of all. And we see that really um, outlined in the Lord's Prayer itself too. Starting with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Before Jesus, when Jesus is outlining that prayer, before anything about what we need or what we want, it's about putting our eyes and our perspective to the Lord and our Father, first of all. Hallowed be his name. Again, I know you might say to me that, you know, living from a perspective of not seeing the flaws and not seeing the negatives might be a little bit naive. And I would absolutely agree with you. But again, we're going to look at, in the passage today, why we as Christians want to use that perspective and start from that attitude of thanksgiving in our lives too. So I'm going to invite you now, if you've got your Bible with, me, uh, with you, to turn to 1 Corinthians. We're starting in chapter 1, from the very, very beginning, and we're going to look at just verses 1 to 9 this morning. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says this. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. 
So in him, you have been enriched in every way, with all kind of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, just nine verses for us this morning. But even in those nine verses, lots and lots of things that we can explore and we can unpack together. And I want to draw our attention straight away to that very, very first verse that we read. In verse one, we read how Paul is recounting his own personal testimony to the Corinthian church, explaining that he was called to be an apostle by the will of God. It was God's will that he'd been called to share and proclaim the good news. It was nothing he'd done previously. It wasn't his credentials. It wasn't the good deeds he'd done in his life, but it was the will of God over him. Paul was laying it down for them. And it's important to note that because in Corinth at the time, in the ancient world, status was a very, very important thing. And your role in society or the way you were viewed in society was very, very important to some and to much of the culture there at that time. And actually, this is where Paul is straight away putting his stake in the ground and saying, it's not about me. Nothing I say is to proclaim myself and make myself look better and increase my own status, it's to proclaim God. And it's by his will that I am honoured to be here and to bless you. Every single word that Paul chooses, even in these first nine verses, is um, chosen with precision. And we see that again in, as we continue. As Paul continues saying to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people in the church of God. Something that you'll find out as we move throughout this preaching series about the church in Corinth. Again, that was, it was a Roman city and a Roman occupied land at the time. And idol worship and the worship of other gods and the Roman gods was very, very common. And yet again, Paul right in the beginning stating to the church of God. Not gods, not idols, but the church of of God and to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is drawing our attention to the polarizing religious landscape of uh, kind of uh, churches, the churches, the um, religious landscape of the time there in that location. Again, it was a place full of idol worship, and so much of the fact that people who were not worshiping the Roman gods would have been seen as a threat to the rest of that community. And it would always been quite dangerous living in that time to proclaim the name of Jesus and not proclaim the name of the Roman gods themselves. Again, Paul is already straight away saying, no, we believe in the one true God. It is by him that we are blessed. It is by his son that we have salvation. In later In verse 2, Paul draws our attention to the other churches with whom they are united, saying, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. They are united with other believers, 
because they too call on the name of Jesus. And we see already the movement of Christ and how it spread since the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. While they might be in a city and a culture where they feel isolated and they feel alone, they are not. They are united with other believers and the other churches as the uh, early church in was birthed and was spreading across the lands. Something else important to um, highlight to you in verse 2 is right in the middle where it says, those sanctified in Christ Jesus. And you might be asking this morning, but what does it actually mean to be sanctified in Christ? And what does that mean to us? Now, to sanctify means to set apart or make holy. And that can mean an active dedication and service to God or the act of honouring him as holy. In Leviticus 20, verse 7, we read, Sanctify yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Again, call us to be set apart, make him holy. Also in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. We are his chosen people. And in Deuteronomy 14 verse 2, we read, For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people of his treasured possessions. Again, words to fill our hearts with praise this morning. His treasured possessions. We are loved, we are valued by our Heavenly Father. But we are called to be set apart from the culture. Just as the Corinthian church were called to be set apart from their culture too. And we're called to be different from the world around us because we are children of the living God. And it's because of this that we should live holy lives which honour our Father. And to sanctify can also mean to cleanse, to purify or regard as holy. And we see that theme a lot throughout the Old Testament scriptures too. Animal sacrifices, for example, to God had to be unblemished, meaning they were without defects. They were pure. They were cleansed. And their sacrifices had to be pure when entering the temple too. And the Israelites had to ensure that their bodies also were clean when they would enter that holy place of the temple. Now in the context of the New Testament, sanctification, or being sanctified in Christ, is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us to make us more like Jesus. That ongoing relationship, that ongoing work of the Spirit throughout our hearts and minds, that we would become more like him. And to the world, we would resemble him closer. In Hebrews 10, verse 10, we read, uh, the followers of Christ, it says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for us, so that we would be viewed as clean, pure and guiltless to God on that day of judgment. We are sanctified because of his sacrifice for us. Jesus paying that penalty that we deserved, taking that judgment upon himself 
so that we would be washed clean of our sin. But not only was that price paid so that we'd be guiltless, but again, God continues that work through us. It's not that complete clean slate and then just crack on. It's that clean slate, but yeah, I'm going to still be with you. I'm going to remain in you and working in your heart, sanctifying you day by day, working on the areas of our lives that we might struggle with or wrestle with to make us more holy, to make us more like Christ. And that might mean turning away from sin, turning to repentance, that we would honour God and allow him through partnership to work in us. And again, for us in our own lives, that might look like not engaging in gossip in the office, even though we might even enjoy that at times. But looking to encourage and support those around us and those in need. It might look like trying to rebuild relationships within family, where there's tension and there's friction and struggle. Actually taking that Christ-like perspective to bless those who are around us too. Or on a much simpler and personal level, it might be allowing God to prune those areas of our lives. Those things, those sins that creep up, that trip us up time and again. And looking to him to work in us, to prune those areas of our lives. Again, whether that might be listening to uh, music that doesn't honour God, the amount of time we spend on our phones or social media, or whether that's even inappropriate content that we engage with on whatever platform that we use. Or even friendships. Again, people that we know, looking at the negatives of those around us, rather than, again, coming from that place of thanksgiving for what God has already blessed them with, the giftings that they have. Actually asking God, in his strength, to give us that attitude of grace towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, also to those who don't yet know Jesus too. Continuing in the passage in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives thanks to them, gives thanks to God also for blessing uh, the blessings he's bestowed upon them as a church family. And finally, Paul reminds them that God is with them and they are called into fellowship with Christ. And if you read a lot of Paul's letters in the New Testament, you'll see that time and again. The start of his letters often start with thanksgiving to God for what God has already done. Again, that they would be growing in number and maturity in their faith. That they would continue to be blessed by God. But we might assume from that thanksgiving that actually all was absolutely fine in the church in Corinth at the time. And that they were growing in maturity and in number. That there wasn't friction and tension between the members of that church. But unfortunately, as again we'll discover in the weeks to come, that was far from the case. And the church in Corinth was full of division. There were issues over authority, sinful behaviour, lawsuits between believers, and the correct use of spiritual gifts. And many of those issues came from the arrogance and immaturity of those believers. And yet, despite all of those issues and all of those problems that Paul is fully aware of, he still starts, once again, with thanksgiving. The incredible work that God has done through them 
and is continuing to do through them also. Paul demonstrates to us the attitude we should take towards other churches and other believers. Even though we might not agree on every issue or practices of other believers or church denominations, but starting once again by thanking God for what he has already done through his global church and what he's continuing to do through them too. Remembering that despite our differences, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ if we hold firm to the teachers of Jesus and proclaim that he is Lord. And while the church again in Corinth, like many other churches throughout history, had its internal challenges, it also faced huge challenge from the culture it was surrounded by, the influence of the Roman Empire. In ancient Corinth, was attacked by the Roman Empire and destroyed, and they destroyed much of that city before they eventually rebuilded it, rebuilt it as a Roman colony in 44 BC. The reason the Roman Empire wanted to have control over the city in Corinth was due to its strategic location, because Corinth itself was a hub for trade. And people traveling from Europe into the Middle Eastern area of the world and vice versa. And Corinth really, for ships, was that hub of people coming through and transporting their goods. And with all of that uh, transport in and out, it was a hotbed of culture and diverse culture too. So the Roman Empire wanted that as a foothold to really control a lot of that trade and influence into that Middle Eastern land. And the influence of the Roman culture flooded Corinth itself with idol worship, sinful practices, temples built on a Roman god and not the one true God. And therefore you can just imagine how difficult it would have been for the Christians living in that time to not fall into temptation, to not fall into the ways of the culture they were surrounded by. Again, a lesson for us all in the world that we live in, to not fall into the traps or the drawers of temptation of the culture around us too. And just like the church in Corinth, we too are called to live a life that honours God. Living lives of holiness for God. Going back to that second verse in 1 Corinthians, we read, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people. And in that land, surrounded by all of that Roman culture, they were called to be set apart. And we are also called to be people that are holy and live lives honouring to God. Well, that's honouring through worship, through prayer, through service, and for the love of other believers too. We are called to be different from the culture, the same as that Corinthian church. And it means that God must always be at the forefront of our hearts and of our minds too. Because I'm sure you'll fully agree that it's not easy to live in a culture that has different views on so many different issues without keeping God at the forefront of our mind, without keeping scripture as our foundation. Without it, without the presence of God, without the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, what an incredible difficult challenge that would be. To not be able to pray to him when we need, to seek his guidance, his counsel, his wisdom, his strength to not fall into those areas of temptation. And taking that time throughout the day to pray, 
to read scripture before lashing out with our own words and anger or frustration. Or get caught up in our workplaces in areas of negativity and contempt. For some of us, and for many of us, almost as Brits, it's almost written into our DNA to see the negative before we see the positive. To always have something ready to complain about rather than to be thankful for. Again, many people that we know already live life like that day by day. But once again, we look to God for our strength to start from Thanksgiving. And I used to be a secondary school teacher up in Andover, and that itself is quite a negative environment at times. Amazing things that would happen and take place. It was a blessing to teach so many of those teenagers at that time. But whether it was negativity from other teachers who were burnt out or frustrated, whether it was abusive comments from students, abusive comments from parents via emails or at parents' evenings, it was very, very difficult sometimes to escape that environment and negativity. And I know from listening to other teachers that often they would go home and just feel absolutely exhausted. Not necessarily because of the amount of effort they put into the day, but the emotional weight sometimes that they would find in that workplace. But of course, whatever industry we work in, or wherever we find ourselves in our stage of life at the minute, we have a choice, like I did in that environment. Do we fall into that? Do we allow ourselves to engage in those conversations of negativity? Or do we allow ourselves to be set apart? Do we allow ourselves to focus on God first and not the negative? Do we allow him to be our focus and not the complaints or grievances that we might have? Yet it wasn't easy. And I'm sure for yourselves throughout your lives, there'll be times where it's challenging and it's difficult and it's not easy. This life isn't easy for us or comfortable at times. That's why we have to rely on our foundation of Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 we read, He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end. There's a promise and a verse to take with us in those times of struggle, in those times of temptation. Because of what Jesus has done for us by shedding his blood and giving his life as a sacrifice for our sins, we are washed clean. We are sanctified, made pure, and the punishment and judgment that we deserve, the sins that we've committed against God, they are taken from us. But we also see in that verse how Jesus is faithful throughout our lives and continues that sanctification process. It's not when we get to a specific age or level of devotion in our scriptural lives that it stops. It's continuous. It's an ongoing relationship, an investment in us. And we see how Jesus is faithful, making us blameless on the day of the Lord. When we stand before God, pure, washed clean. Not only has Christ shown us how unimaginable, or has shown us unimaginable grace on that cross, he continues to show us grace day by day, through that relationship with us. And it wasn't just 
a one-time moment in history that changed all of human history itself. It was unimaginable grace on the cross and unimaginable grace day by day that we would walk with him. In verse 9 we read, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we're called into fellowship with his Son, into a relationship with the living Lord Jesus. And while our relationships with other believers and non-Christians are important, the most important thing is our relationship with Jesus. The most important thing we can do is to spend time in the presence of God, praying to our Father, seeking Jesus' wisdom, his guidance, his counsel. We see in Scripture that Christ is our healer, our redeemer, our provider, counsellor, prince of peace, our good shepherd and our saviour. Then why would we not spend time with him? Why would we not invest in that relationship when he's continually pouring out his graces upon us too? In verse 5 we read, For in him you have been enriched in every way. And while Paul was speaking about the church in Corinth in that verse, it also speaks to us too. For what Christ has done for us, we have been enriched in every way. And we read in John 10.10 that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come so that you may have life and have life to the full. In Jesus' words, I have come so that you may have life and life to the full. So how do we have that attitude of thankfulness and thanksgiving? How do we avoid the pitfalls of the Corinthian church that we'll continue to explore over the weeks to come? Through loving union with our Saviour. By keeping Jesus at the forefront of our minds and not at the end of our to-do lists. By being attentive to his will and his guidance for our lives. It's through our relationship with Jesus that we are truly enriched and enjoy life in all of its wonder. Let me tell you today that there is nothing in this world that will enrich your life greater, that will bring you greater joy or greater peace than Christ. And when you have Jesus in you, when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you have everything. When you have Christ, you have everything. So, how are we called to respond to God based on what we've read from Paul this morning? I believe part of that is what I've been speaking about already this morning. Having that attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving to God. And my prayer this, this morning is that we may ask God that he would continue to mould us and mould our hearts so that we too would start from a place of thanksgiving and not division in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Whatever environment we find ourselves, whatever prior knowledge we have of the evil deeds that people have done, people that have hurt us, we once again come back to that place of thanksgiving 
and not division. But also that we would look to Jesus to help us in specific areas of our lives, that we need help and support, that we would allow that sanctification process to take place in us through his grace. And this morning that might look like you asking for God to meet you this morning. It's to challenge you in an area that you know you've been wrestling with and struggling with, that maybe you don't want to let go. You don't want to place into his hands. And I'm going to encourage you this morning to look to him, to seek him, that we be bold in turning to repentance and looking to Christ for all we need. And finally, that we would reach out to God anew this morning for the courage and strength to live lives that honour him and bring him glory. That not boast our own egos or our own status in society that would bring his glory. We'd be clearly, visibly set apart as his people and his church to the world. And I pray that we'd be thankful this morning for God and be thankful that he is a God who has called us to be what Christ is doing in us. He is a God who has called us by name and be thankful for what Christ is doing through us too. I'm going to invite us in just a moment just to spend a time of silent prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to meet with you this morning and allow you that space and that time to seek God for what you need here today. And whatever that might be in your circumstance, whatever that might be, whether that is division, whether that's an area of sin in your own life, or whether it is asking the Lord to give you that perspective, that attitude of thanksgiving, first and foremost. I invite you now just to seek his counsel. Meet with God. I'm just going to close by encouraging us this morning that in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, whatever challenges we face internally or externally, let us be thankful for the grace given us through Jesus. Let us be thankful for the work God has done in us and is continually doing through us. Let us be thankful this morning, that we have a saviour who has saved us from sin. Let us be thankful for the relationship we have with Jesus as he continues to work to sanctify us before God. I'm just going to pray for us and then we're going to return to a time of worship, a time of praise and thanksgiving for what God has already done and for what God continues to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that it is light and life to our hearts. We thank you that you, you called Paul by your will. And we thank you, Lord, that you called us by name too. Lord, fill us afresh this morning with that heavenly perspective of thanksgiving. 
Fill us afresh with your strength in those times of struggle and challenge. That we may look to you, Lord, as our provider. That we may look to you, Lord, for that strength to be the light to the world around us. And Lord, more than anything else, we thank you for the gift and the sacrifice of your son. We thank you for the gift that he was while he walked among the people on this earth. But we thank you for the sacrifice he made on the cross, the blood that was shed, that we may have relationship with you, that we may be sanctified and washed clean, and that we may have everlasting life with you in heaven. Lord, we are overwhelmed by your grace and what you have done. And as your people, we bring you the glory this morning. We bring you the praise. We are thankful for all that you have done, Lord. Amen.